Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Where Work Meets Life. I'm Dr. Laura, and I'm delighted to bring an episode to you today called Stop Sitting for Better Work-Life Wellness. And it's funny because I'm actually at my standing desk at my office right now. Um, So I'm practicing what I preach here, which has been a work in progress. And I also have a stand-up desk at home. Uh, So when I was introduced uh, and met Dr. Stefan Zavalin, I was so happy because this topic is something I've been talking about a lot over the pandemic, especially. um, And I'm energized about why we're sitting so much and how it's impacting our health and what we can do about it. Um, Whether we're working or relaxing, so whether we're at work or in the rest of our life, a lot of us are sitting way, way too much. Um, And it's a dangerous habit for both our body and our mind. So Dr. Stefan is a movement enthusiast and a doctor of physical therapy. He has started a company called Love to Move to address how sedentary our work cultures are and whether that's working in a traditional office or working in a remote or hybrid context, most of us spend way too much time at a desk or a table. He recently published a book and it's called Sit Less, Evolve Your Work and Life Without Compromising Your Health. So I got the book, I got it from Amazon, It's kind of blurry on my screen, but we're going to share it in the show notes uh, with you. It's a beautiful purple colored book, and I think everybody needs to read this. Um, It gets into how this is a a challenge and workplaces, leaders need to really get on top of this uh, challenge. So Dr. Stefan recently took the stage of TEDx as well on this subject and has been talking about it a lot. Welcome, Stefan. I am so happy to be here. I'm also energized about the topic. So I'm glad we're on the same page. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Oh, well, it's just my pleasure. What inspired you, uh, Dr. Stefan, to focus specifically on sitting less? I love that the way you worded that question specifically there, because I initially was thinking about this difference of what is moving more versus sitting less. And I feel that we're constantly hit over the head with this idea of you need to move more, you need to exercise more, do more of this, do more of this, do more of this. And that felt like it would lead to a lot of burnout. There's only so much that we can eventually add. There's only so many walks and so long of walks that we can go on, but we need to reduce the amount that we're sitting. And I thought that perhaps we need to shift that mindset. And the mindset that I approach it with is, okay, what if we reduce the bad thing? In this case, the sitting. So instead of thinking about the moving more, we think about how can we sit less and thus naturally we end up moving. And so it seems almost counterintuitive and a little bit strange, but as we're going to keep talking, you'll see that this sort of mindset shifts a lot of how we would approach our work, our work culture, and in general, our our work-life wellness overall. Excellent. No, that that makes a lot of sense. And I do agree with you. We put a lot on our plates and it, it can be really overwhelming. So just the simple fact of, uh, you know, standing more of your workday. And I know we're going to talk about that more. But first of all, tell us about your book, Sit Less, Evolve Your Work and Life Without Compromising Your Health. What inspired you to write this book, Stefan? I started uh, overall with this idea that I can't just interact one-on-one with people. This concept of sitting less and changing our culture, it's far bigger than me. And it it really needs to be this global shift overall. 
So a book seemed to be the perfect next step in the sense that I wanted to give somebody the tools to make sure that they could do it themselves. So in the case of Sit Less, the book, it's almost a three in one. So in each chapter, it's broken down into sort of three parts. The first part is a story where we follow the main character, Alice, as she is almost a typical desk worker. And she progresses through her company and she evolves how much she's sitting, how much she's moving. Each story portion is followed by an informative part, and that's the really dense stuff. So if you want to skip it, you can just go to the informative pieces and really get all your nitty gritty information. And then the final part is your next three steps, the three steps that you can immediately take, not the long term of, oh, I need to change the culture of my company, but what are the three quick steps right now you could sit down and start to implement in your everyday and this way, I put the three things together of sort of a, a story, an informative text, and a workbook so that it can really hit people wherever they are. And this is applicable for whether you're just the low-level employee, middle manager, C-suite executive, it doesn't matter. Everybody will find something to lead with and be able to impact their own kind of culture and company with in this book. Excellent. And I like that uh, it's divided in that way. There's something for everyone in here, really. And it's not too thick. It's not too overwhelming because people don't have as much time as they used to, unfortunately, I might add, for reading. So Absolutely. Uh, and I, it's meant to be digested very easily. So don't be turned away by the thought of, oh, it's going to be very technical jargon. It's very easy and digestible. If there had been any piece of review that I've had that everybody keeps on telling me from it is that how approachable and digestible this material is. Okay, wonderful. So again, we're going to put the direct link uh, in the show notes and, and in the newsletter, etc. Uh, so you'll have access to that. So my next question is how do current work cultures, whether in office or from home, impact our physiology? And that's an interesting question because you use the word culture. Um, and this is where I love to bring in the verbiage and the language we use around movement in, in the workplace. Because a lot of times we'll even say, come in and grab a seat, go ahead and sit down so we can get started, uh, you know, have a seat. Work is around this verbiage of, of movement as opposed to, hey, why are you standing around, get back to work. And so part of that is a little bit of the culture piece of, well, is movement accessible in our, in our societies? But what does it actually look like? How much are we actually sitting, right? That's, that's the big question. Prior to the pandemic, it was anywhere from 12 hours, which was the US average for desk workers, but up to 15 hours a day, which is huge. Now, with reduced amount of commutes, because we don't have to leave our homes, it's probably even more. We just don't quite have the data on it right now. So, we have all these hours of sitting and a lot of times people have heard this idea of sitting is the new smoking. So this is where it comes from is all the comorbidities we get from sitting too long. So what are those just to mention them quickly at about six or more hours of sitting, we've got an increased risk of anxiety and depression at eight hours. We've got a doubled risk for cardiovascular disease, which, even with the pandemic, still number one killer in the United States is cardiovascular disease. Now, the good news, those two, reversible with exercise. So as long as you're having a decent and regular exercise regimen, you're fine, it's okay to sit for those eight hours. 
the issue gets to 11 plus hours. At 11 plus hours of sitting, we've got an increased risk of premature death by 40%. And that's a big number. And that's the number that unfortunately gets kind of clumped into the, the smoking risk. The big part about that is not seemingly reversed with exercise. So while exercise is great and we should absolutely exercise, we really just need to reduce the sitting. We need to sit less, not just move more. And so that's the huge impact on our physiology. Wow, that, that 40%, that, that is a, a huge number. And you said that 12 hours, um, that I don't think is out of the ordinary at all for a lot of us. Um, not when you at factor all. in life and work time, right? Right. And for some of us, we think, oh, surely I, I get up and I move uh, a lot. But I, I encourage anybody to just take the time and see. It's a lot easier sometimes to calculate the amount that you're moving as opposed to the, the number of times that you're sitting because it's so much less that we're actually moving. It's easier to count all of that up together. And you'd be surprised. Uh, plenty of phones now, if, even if you don't have a Fitbit or an Apple Watch, they have step counters. So you can check how many steps am I actually getting throughout the day as long as you keep your phone on you. And you'd be very surprised even if you think you're having a very active kind of work day and flow. Wow, so very, very good information here. And I'm just curious about the impact of sedentary behavior on our mental health and productivity. So we talked about physical health, what about mentally and productivity, meaning focus and how much we're able to get done and be in that zone? Absolutely, so kind of mentioned the whole six or more hours impacts anxiety and depression, okay. But what, what if we're looking, how does that build out from a small amount of sitting to the longer periods that we're doing? The issue is that at about 30 minutes of sitting or so, we actually have less blood flowing to our brain. So now if you're taking that and you're sitting for two hours, three hours without getting up, which some of us really get into the weeds of our work and don't get up, then you're depriving a small amount of that blood flow. And so oxygen as well from the brain, that's inevitably going to affect your productivity and your focus, as well as mental health. Now, getting up and moving for two minutes completely reverses that. You can sit back down and everything works well. But if we're staying in that seated position and letting that happen over and over those hours, that's what's really going to damage the mental health as well as productivity over time. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Now, exercise, right? So we know exercise is important. To what extent, extent can it undo prolonged periods of sitting? And what are some common misconceptions here about amount of exercise, daily exercise uh, to counteract sitting? So exercise is great. This is the part where if you were feeling that I, everything I was saying is really, really sad and how in the world can I control this and what can I do? We're getting to all the best parts. We're getting to all the things, the ways you can be in control and all the things that you can do because there's absolutely a way out of this and that's the best part about it. Exercise is a perfect place to start because it takes far less input than taking off five hours of sitting from your work. If you can start with 30 minutes of exercise every day, great. Now, when we go to exercise, what kind of exercise? What's the, the best? I'm not talking about you know, resistance training and doing heavy squats or anything like that at the gym. Movement is really what it comes down to. Taking a walk, 
You can do a yoga class. There are plenty of things that you can do. A brilliant video is called 23 and a half hours uh, on YouTube that explains all the miraculous benefits of exercise because it improves blood flow, our nervous system, musculoskeletal system, digestion, pretty much everything. Exercise helps. But then we get to the point where exercise helps to a degree. So the usual guidelines are we need about 150 minutes of moderate exercise a week. So that's 30 minutes a day. That's the minimum. So you should exceed that ideally. And I say, try to get about an hour of movement every single day. That can be walks, that can be going up and down the stairs, that can be house chores. Those are all movement and those can be considered exercise. We don't have to go necessarily immediately to the gym in order to do that. It's just putting our body under that little bit of stress. And that can start to counteract a lot of that sitting, that the cardiovascular disease issues, anxiety and depression issues, all of that is starting to go way, way down as we exercise. Okay, so there's the whole movement aspect and I, I get that. So I can go down and walk around my, my block, uh, for example, which I think really clears my head and gives me fresh air and sunshine sometimes. Uh, we don't get enough vitamin D up here uh, in Canada because of our weather <laughs> patterns, um, which is really, really important. Um, but getting outside, really, really critical. Um, but to what extent should the exercise, though, be like strength training and cardio, getting your heart rate up versus just movement? Movement is number. So if I had to give four categories here, I would go in this order. Movement is absolutely number one. So just move and get comfortable with movement. The second one is going to be more so kind of mobility and stretching, if you would, but really just expressing all the ways that your body can move. So this may not necessarily be strength training, but getting into those more kind of yoga positions or things that really require you to move and stress your body just a little bit more without any weight. Then comes the cardio piece and cardio people go, oh, I need to get on a treadmill and run for two hours. No, your heart rate needs to be slightly elevated. So if you walk at a pace where you're breathing a little heavier, but you can still maybe maintain a conversation, that's technically cardio. That still helps your cardiovascular system. It absolutely counts. Strength training, which I feel like people really think is the most important, is the least important for all of these things. It has its place. It's very useful for us, but that's not where we need to start. We need to make sure all the others are in place before we get to all the heavy lifting and the really tiresome kind of exercises. So by all means, movement is the number one at the top. If we can just move and find ways to move more, that's where you should start. Great, great. Really, that makes a lot of sense to me, the way that you've talked about those four. Um, and, and during the pandemic, the early stage, the lockdown, we were walking a lot and stuff like that. And then I was really missing my cardio. I was missing my squash because that's one of the big ways I do cardio. And then Orange Theory, which is more of a high intensity circuit training. Have you heard of that, Stephanie? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like those were my two things. And then they both closed down. And then what I was doing was weight training with a, a virtual coach, but I was missing that, that cardio piece and movement piece. So I agree with you. If you only have time in your day, for one thing, it should be moving, just, you know, walking around or walking to work if you can, right? Or walking to and from your car, um, parking further away, etc. Absolutely. And it, once again, it could be chores because we some I, sometimes 
have these synonyms of movement is exercise. No, movement is movement. Exercise is part of that, but taking out the trash, that's movement. Your body doesn't know the difference. You know, picking something up off the ground or doing laundry for a while, that's still movement. It counts. Your body doesn't go, well, you're not at a gym. I'm not, this doesn't count. It's absolutely part of it. And so as long as you're including movement, that is the number one key thing. Lovely. So what's your best advice for people to break up prolonged periods of sitting? Okay. And let's talk about work, whether they're working at home or working at an office, how can they break up the prolonged sitting? What are some habits? What are some tips, strategies that you have? Absolutely. So I've got two main ones that really, really help. So the first is we kind of talked about that 30 minute marker of, of blood flow difference. So the ideal is taking a break every 30 minutes. That's okay. If you start at an hour, still wonderful. Because if you're sitting for four hours straight, standing up and moving every hour is already pushing forward and ahead. So find that interval that works for you and set a reminder, whether it be on your calendar, whether it be on your phone, the Fitbit buzzes, whatever it might be. But make sure that you couple it with a specific task that you're going to do. If you like your exercises, absolutely do a small little exercise. If you think, oh, I'm going to go and wash a couple of dishes, perfect. Then that's the thing that you're going to do. Go to the printer, get a glass of water, go to the bathroom, whatever it is, so that you're not just standing up and then going, well, what do I do now? I'm just going to sit back down and do work. I don't, this is, this is silly. Why am I doing this? If you couple them together, you're really going to see that, okay, there's a purpose and I'm getting things done and accomplished. So that's the first one. And it does take a good amount of sort of that intrinsic motivation to make sure that you're sticking with it. But the second part, and this is going to be the, the more important one truly, is if you can start adapting the tasks that you're doing to where you're not sitting to do them. So doing phone calls, walking or pacing, that's my favorite way to do phone calls. Zoom calls, standing up. If you've got a document, email, or something else that you can do standing up or on a counter, maybe on your phone, on your laptop, if you can just move it over, great. For 10 or 15 minutes, just do it there. As you adapt parts of your day and start with one and slowly work through it, this shouldn't be all of a sudden you're doing everything standing. As you adapt certain tasks, now it's just naturally flowing to where you have to stand up and break up the sitting but also you're standing for 10, 15 minutes. You're not doing any less work. You're still accomplishing everything you need to do, but you're really cutting down on that sitting time because now you're really transforming how you're doing your work. And that's really the big, big change that needs to happen. I love that. And what's really been handy for me is this little timer. <laughs> so um, I have this at home. I have this at my office. And because I work between both locations, um, it, it's uh, the Pomodoro method, we call it, right? Setting a timer and making sure you're breaking up your work task with, with breaks. So I'll do increments. I find I can do longer increments in the morning like 45 minutes, right? But sometimes that's standing. And then I take a 15 minute break or a 10 minute break. Um, as the day goes on, I might do 30 minute segments and then take a five minute break between them. Um, but it's really, really nice uh, to have that, that timer because then I don't get lost in something or lost in emails and then an hour or two goes by. And now when, when you're saying about doing that, is that 45 minutes you're standing and then taking a break? Sometimes, yeah. Um, okay. Or if I've 
stood, then the next time I might sit for the next block. What do uh, you think of that? I mean, that, no, that's wonderful. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think that's fantastic. My only thing is, listeners, you don't have to start there. Don't. It's, <laughs> it's okay if you do it the absolute opposite way. If you're going to be working seated for 45 minutes and then you stand up for five minutes, that's great. That's wonderful. You just have to start with the small so it doesn't feel like too much. Because if you've been sitting for 15 hours and all of a sudden now you're spending two or three hours in standing, your body's not quite ready for it. So if you're starting to introduce all these standing things and you're getting a lot of aches and pains and you're feeling tired too much, back it off. Maybe it's just two or three minutes of standing and then progress yourself as, as you go. This should not be overly difficult, but you're doing amazing. 45 minutes at a time is well, great. you know, and the funny thing is sometimes I don't even remember I'm standing because I'm so deep into something. I present a lot for my work, right? I don't even realize I'm standing. And I think I show greater energy if I'm standing just in my mannerisms and whatnot, um, doing keynotes, doing speeches, whatever. Uh, and then I also think, um, there's times when I'm tired and I just don't feel like standing. <laughs> but then I find that once I do, I'll forget about it. Like it goes, you just get used to it. But it took a while to build this, this up. And I noticed that some of my, my colleagues and people that, that work with me, when I bring it up, they immediately, oh, yeah, I'll consider that. But they're almost nervous about it. <laughs> and this is where you, you bring up a great point. Most of the things we kind of started at the beginning talking about culture, most teams, it's the weird thing to do. Uh, I'm very familiar with this. I'm usually the only person standing up on, on my Zoom calls, but it's, it's the odd thing to do to stand up during all of this. And that's where I'm saying we, we need to start shifting the culture a little bit to where that's acceptable, or maybe that's even how we do certain meetings. I've had some clients that I tell them, okay, say these meetings are only gonna be 15 or 30 minutes. Can we label them as standing only meetings? So now it's very acceptable for people to stand up. It's very welcome for them to do it. And they don't feel like they're the odd one out because they're having to stand up. I like that. Standing only meetings. I think we'll try that in our team, actually. I also have a treadmill now, and I think meeting while on the treadmill is an interesting scenario. As long it as is. you're not. <laughs> but if you're just like at a walking pace, right? You know, just right. Absolutely. Why not? And nowadays they even have uh, some very, very cheap options for those where it's just uh, a rectangular small treadmill that can fit under your desk. You, you don't have to spend a lot. You can transform any desk into a treadmill desk. My only two main points on that is please be safe. Uh, obviously it's a treadmill, so it, it, it may catch you or a sock or something like that. But then the second part is they did a, a study on typists and their productivity as they use treadmill desks specifically. Initially productivity goes down but after several hours of use, and of course this is days and days that they added up these hours, the productivity does improve eventually. So if, if you do try it and you feel like, oh no, I'm not getting as much done, give it a little more time, it, it does actually benefit us in the end. Good to know, good to know. Now, how do you think this pandemic has impacted people's movement when it comes to their work days? I think that we've definitely sort of pushed everything into small little compartments of, okay, so this is where I work. I'm, I'm not really going to move around a whole lot. The only times I'm going to move is when I go exercise. And we're having less movement, natural movement, I would say, kind of throughout the day. So even for us, I know when we started in the, in the pandemic, uh, sometimes we were afraid to even go outside and go for a walk because we weren't sure is that the thing to do or not. 
some people benefited from it, but overall, I think there's been less and less people that are now going out and walking. And most of the time, people just roll out of bed and plop down in front of the computer, unfortunately. Their commute has turned from walking out to the car, driving, parking, walking into the building to just, I don't know, I walk into the next room and that's, that's my commute. And that's, that's less and less movement, unfortunately. It is. And even going to the water cooler or to fill your coffee at the office, oftentimes that, that was a bit of a walk for people. And then they would run into someone, have a chat. They're standing typically, right, for that yeah. chat. And then you walk back. Oh, hey, Bob, how's it going? And someone else is at their desk. You say hi. So suddenly you have like 10, 15 minutes of walking. At home, that might be three minutes, right? Absolutely. And that's, that's the part where a lot of people say, okay, well, we're going to have our employees stand up more. So we're going to get everybody standing desks. Getting a standing desk only goes so far. You got to have the habit of using the standing desk and then the welcoming culture of it all. And the beautiful thing about the culture and the habits is that transfers to remote work and in office work. So even if you have a hybrid role, it, it's all there because if you've built it off of habits, it doesn't matter where you are. You're, you're going to keep kind of doing it and keeping it up. Exactly. So I, I totally agree. And I've developed those habits at home and at uh, the office. But could I get better? Absolutely. And I hope a lot of you have learned from this episode at least one thing that you'll do differently as a result of Dr. Stefan and his wonderful tips. So thank you so much uh, for all that you've shared. Um, again, the book Sit Less is a great uh, resource for people. And we are going to do a part two that launches in two weeks where we're going to talk more uh, deeply about this topic and about Dr. Stefan. And he has a very interesting and inspirational life story. So I really hope that, that you'll join me. Um, and in the meantime, uh, check out the show notes uh, for links for more information, um, as well as sign up to my e-newsletter. It's monthly and it's packed full of tips and resources. And we're finding that people are, are finding it quite useful. So you'll find that on drlaura.live, my website, as well as in the show notes, how to go about signing up. So uh, enjoy uh, the content and stay well, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on Where Work Meets Life. I'm passionate about sharing insights from experts around the world on topics at the intersection of where work meets life. If you found this podcast useful, please share with others who may benefit and engage with us on social media. For more articles, information, and tips, sign up for my monthly newsletter at my website, drlaura.live. This podcast summary contains links to the psychology practice I founded, Work Evolution, Canada Career Counseling, and Synthesis Psychology, as well as my current employer, Humans, a nationwide organizational psychology firm focusing on culture and performance. Stay well.